you know, as he was just sharing. So, amen. That's great. All these wonderful things the Lord's doing. Isn't that wonderful? Um, who has a need, financial need? Raise your hand. A couple of you. Stand up, the people who have financial needs. I had this financial need come up this week, and uh, it was in... Uh, it happened on Thursday, and I found out I needed $4,000, which is a lot of money. And so, uh, you hearing that, Venus? So what I did was, is I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need $4,000. Uh, and before I went to bed Thursday night, I had $4,000. So the Lord really is wanting to help people and do things that are or, you know, like with learning Hebrew miraculously or getting a miraculous healing. The Lord really is doing these things for people because He loves people and wants to help people. So just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right quick. You know, that whole thing that we heard about testimonies is do it again. Remember that? That's what it means, do it again, Lord. When you hear a testimony, the Lord does something for somebody, like a healing or something like Dean or a financial thing, you can say, Lord, that's for me. Just tell the Lord, that's for me, Lord. That financial miracle is for me. Lord, just release that to people right now that are hearing. Lord, just release the, the miracle of finances. And the, you know what all these needs are. People got their hands raised to you. Do it for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. It's nice when the Lord does stuff like that. So maybe one day he'll teach me how to read English. <laughs> All right. Somebody told me one time, Byron, you will never be a good preacher because you cannot talk. I said, that's okay. Anyway, what I want to talk to you about this morning is, you know, we've heard the term continuous revival, right? Continuous, like a being in a revival that never came to an end and I think the Lord really has given me some revelation on that, but I want to first read Luke 24:45. Luke 24:45. Let's put that up there, Eric. And this is come, of course, this comes out of the the um, story of this road to Emmaus, and it says, "And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend, or he opened their mind that they might understand the scriptures." Okay, and really, what we're what we're doing, what we're in a spiritual season right now where God is opening people's minds up to understand the Scriptures. That's what He's doing right now. That's, and so we can access that now. If you really want that, it's available. He's opening our mind to understand the Scriptures because the church has become, you know, spiritually we've gone into, moved into a new season, spiritually. And we are in a season where we need deeper and greater revelation of the Word. Because we think we understand the Word, but there's more to the Word than we really understand because the Bible is much bigger than our understanding and much bigger than what has been taught to us. And God is beginning to release that now and re release re new revelation on old Scriptures. And so He's opening people's minds up now. And he, you, you can have your mind open to understand the Scripture. And so I appreciate the spiritual forefathers who went before us and, and given us revelation on things. And, and it's been really wonderful, but we can't live on their revelation any longer. You know, I appreciate Arthur Burton. He came and what he shared was wonderful. But just to tell you the truth, that was a revelation from his day. And it was a great revelation. It was a foundational revelation 
that we desperately need, but there's more. There's more, and we need to take, we don't discard that, we keep that, but God wants us to go up in Revelation. And it's available now. Let's read verse 30 through 31 of Luke 24. And this is really good. This is still the same story. He's going to get there. Thank you, Eric. And it says, now it, as it, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread. And many times in the Bible, now of course this is literal bread, but the Bible, bread always speaks of the Word of God. Okay? That's, that's what we're talking about. The bread's the Word. So think in those terms. He took the bread, he blessed it, and that's what the Lord's doing right now. He's taking the Word of God. This is what he's doing for us. He's taking his Word and he's blessing it in a new way. There's new blessings aren't for us to... To, to walk in and he broke it in other words he's breaking it open and God is giving it to us he's breaking his word open and he's presenting it he's, he's got it in his hands he says do you want it and we can re- just receive it uh, and it says then this is the cool part then their eyes were opened when we begin to see when we begin to receive this what I'm telling you if we'll receive it our eyes will be open spiritual eyes to see the word in a new way it's, it's a new way, it's a new thing, a new understanding of Scripture. And, they, and then it says, they knew Him. We're going to know the Lord, the living Word, like we've never known Him. God wants to reveal Himself like we've never known Him before. And He wants to remove this lid that's on the church's mind. He wants to move this lid of revelation. In other words, like what I was saying with Arthur, that we love so much as spiritual father to us, His revelation should be our foundation. It should be our floor. And, and there, because there's so much more that God wants. And then he says he vanished from their sight. In other words, it, then they, they realized they were seeing supernaturally. They were seeing in the supernatural realm. Their eyes really were, were open. Now let's read Mark 8, 6. I just want to read that because this is the heart that God wants. If we want to really have a continuous revival, you see, somehow we had to get out of this mode... That, that, that we, I don't know about you, but we have this mode in the church where we're always, we, we feel like, it's like we're always coming and we always need some repairing or something to be fixed in us. You know, and God is saying, no, you've got to get out of that mode of being in constant need of being fixed and realize, realize you are fixed. God's fixed you. And if you're not fixed, let's get fixed. Because God wants to do something. And he said, uh, this is, of course, is one of the stories in the Bible when Jesus fed, did a miracle and fed a bunch of people, thousands, I think this is 5,000. It says, uh, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Sometimes the Lord just wants people to do stuff, you know. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord just asks you to do something. And most of the times it's not anything profound. In fact, most of the time it's something real common. Sit down on the ground. And see, the church is so full of pride, a lot of people won't even put, get on their knees to God. Well, I don't have to do that. God can meet me right where I'm at. But, and I suppose if you was a hungry man, you'd sit down on the ground. I suppose if you was hungry that day and wanting to be fed, you wouldn't have some argument, well, if God wants to feed me, he can come over here where I'm at and do it. I mean, he could, but that's just normally the way he doesn't work. He's looking for a people who really are hungry and desirous of something where if he says sit down on the ground or lay down on the ground or stand up or whatever, 
we would just do it. We would just obey the Lord. I mean, good Lord, it doesn't get much more complicated, but we're so full of our own thoughts and feelings about stuff, analyzing things, that we, don't, we miss the miracles that God has for us. But these people didn't miss it because they did it. And then he took the seven loaves, that's what he had, and gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. He broke the bread. He broke the Word of God, and he, then he began to give it to his disciples. And we're the disciples. And the Lord wants our minds opened to understand the Scriptures, the broken open Word of God. He's given it. He wants to give it to us because there's a multitude of people out there that are desperate for what we have. So if we really want a real revival in the church, we've got to think that God's heart is towards a multitude of people that He really wants to reach with the living Word of God. So we don't just come to church to have some spiritual fix or get some, you know, have some experience. Lord, we're coming to get more of the Word broken open to us. You know, that we can have something more released in our lives. And we've got to get that mindset. And the church really doesn't have that, that mindset always. Um, let's read Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Um, and this is a great verse. This is where we're at. Therefore, remember, we're leaving the prior generation's revelation. We're leaving it. Not we're leaving it behind, but we're going on to now what God's got for us now. Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. God's calling the church now. It's time to move on, guys. It's time to move on and upwards. Leave the elementary discussion of the elementary principles. It doesn't mean you forsake those principles. Because as you see, these are powerful principles. But it's time for something more. It's time for something, you know, greater. We're living in a greater day. And we can have greater things in Christ. All right, you know, uh, let us go on to perfection, I mean, or maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. I mean, these are real fundamental things but, and fundamentally important. But God's calling us, that's time to go on. You don't need to keep talking about it. You don't need to keep going over the same thing over and over and over. You know? Come on. We just, somehow there's got to be some believers in the earth that settled the issues of repentance, that settled the issues of faith towards God, that settled the issues of baptism. You're not haggling over, oh, are you going to speak in tongues when you're baptized? You just, you've settled that stuff. It's a settled issue that the Bible says be baptized in water and you've submitted yourself to that. You're not haggling. Well, I've not been baptized because, you know, you're you sprinkled or do you immerse? All that stuff. You, that's settled and you've gone on. You realize that God has just wanting us to move on now. And other than laying on of hands, well, do you believe in laying on of hands? Well, if you don't, what's wrong with you? You don't believe the Bible. Some, I've heard a person ask me that one time. Call me. You know, do y'all believe in laying on hands in that church? I said, well, yeah, actually we do. <laughs> you know, I mean, why would somebody ask such a dumb question? It's in the Bible! <laughs> why can't you believe it? We need to just practice it. You know, that's really what we need to do is practice it. Of the resurrection of the dead, we think it's crazy when somebody talks about the Lord Hill and them. Heck, he's talking about raised, people being raised from the dead. That's crazy, man. You ever pray for a dead person? Anybody right here, lay hands? Everybody raise your hands, put their hands on a dead person, and pray for them. You have, you have, you have. Anybody else? 
Why haven't the rest of you? I'm serious. Why haven't we? Now, I pray for a couple of dead people, and obviously they're with Jesus. <laughs> Their bodies in the ground. The Lord didn't. But I'll tell you what, this is what I thought. Boy, I'm not going to live myself if I don't. If I have the opportunity, I'm going to. And we all should. Now, I don't like touching dead people. It feels, ooh. Put the sheet over them, and I'll put my hand on the sheet, Lord. And that way, if they start coming alive, you feel some heat going in their body. You know? But honestly, why haven't we prayed for the dead to be resurrected? Spoke. Get up from there. You're not supposed to be dead. I mean, everybody's heard this story about Smith Wigglesworth. a true story. I think there were, what, six people was raised under his ministry. He grabbed a guy out of a coffin and threw his body against the wall and said, you've got to come back. His wife came back and said to him, look, you've got to let me go. I'm done here. She died. He brought, prayed and brought her life back, life into her body. She said up to him, said, Smith, you've got to let me go. I'm supposed to be gone. Let me go. Now, that's an anointing, man. <laughs> and he let her go. He kissed her goodbye. Goodbye. I love you. I'll see you when I get there. Powerful, powerful anointing. And we're sitting here haggling over praying for sick people. Everybody thinks people don't get healed when somebody prays for them. That's ridiculous. So we've got a set of eternal judgment. I mean, some people, do you believe in hell? Hello? You know, why are we asking do we believe in hell? Yes, I believe in hell. If you die without Christ, you're going to be there. And then you'll believe it. It'll be too late. So if you're unsaved today, it's a good day to get saved. Because the Lord's saving people. So the Lord wants to break open the Word to us in a new way. He wants us to move on. Uh, God is permitting. Let us go on. God is permitting. Let us go on. We're in that time. We can go on now in the Word. Um, I wanted to read Matthew 7, and I just wanted to give you, I just want you to get this. If, if you get this, what I'm, these two verses, these are great verses for me personally. The people in the first service obviously didn't think they were great verses. I personally think they're wonderful verses in the Bible. But one of them is about the narrow gate, okay? And it's about the way we live our Christian life. Because I personally am sick and tired of living my Christian life by a narrow way. Okay, now the Bible says enter by the narrow gate. It says enter. It doesn't say live that way. It says salvation, the kingdom of heaven is a narrow, straight way. There's only one way in there. And it's not an easy way in. Of course it's not because you've got to go through the cross. And it says it's uh, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Every, and it's easy to go to hell. Do nothing and you're going to go to hell. That's basically what he's saying. You know, just be a, But if you, you have to embrace the cross and a lot of people are going to go um, you know, that broad way. Verse 14, Eric. Anyways, um, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to, which leads to life. It, it, narrow, it's difficult is the way... The cross of Christ is difficult. It is not a pretty scene. And it is difficult and it is narrow and it is bad news for the carnal man. And in a natural sense, but it's good news ultimately. Okay? That's what it says. And we need to find that way, that narrow... But I've lived a lot of my Christian life like, oh, you know, this is difficult. It's, this is a narrow walk. There's no, there's no room for me here on this Christian walk. Has anybody else had that experience? You just felt like, man, this is a tough, this is a tough road to hoe, baby. Christianity is. 
It's rotten, but I'm glad I am a Christian because I'm going to go to heaven. It's worth it. And, you know, rah, rah, blah, blah. But that ain't really what Jesus taught. In fact, he taught opposite. Because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That sounds pretty, pretty good to me. It's called the easy anointing. That's why you got the easy button. That was easy. That's really what the Christian life is described by as from Christ. The entrance is described as narrow and difficult. Now, let's, read, let's go to Romans, Eric, and, and give us Romans 6. And I want to read. These are some of the most profound, basic Bible truths in the world, this right here about the cross. Yet the church has not understood this rightly. Or maybe I hadn't. But the whole message of grace is built on this. It says, We have been united together in the likeness of his death. Speaking of the cross. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, let's go on and read it. Knowing this, that our old man, everybody say old man. Old man was crucified with him. In other words, when he was hanging on that cross, y'all know this, this is basic. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, God took us and literally put us into him. And when he took that beating, we took that beating. When he bled, we bled. We died with him. We suffered with him. When he was in that place in the garden saying, not my will, and sweating, God had literally ordained for us to go through that with him, spiritually speaking. Even though we weren't even born then and never even thought about it. You know? That the body of sin, meaning your old carnal, nasty, mean, mean, ugly, stinking nature, might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. In other words, we don't have to do what sin says. We don't have to sin. Believe it or not, we don't have to. We get a choice. We have a choice. According to the Bible, for he who has died has been freed from sin. If you died with Christ on the cross, you're free from sin. Believe it or not, you are. That's what the Bible says. So if somebody says, do you believe a Christian cannot sin? You have to say, I believe a Christian cannot sin because it says it right there in the Bible. It doesn't say anything else. All right. Now, if we died with Christ, but it doesn't see, now this is where it all gets messed up. If we die with Christ, we believe that we, should, we shall also live with Him. The dying is the entrance part. Okay? The, the dying is the narrow part. The dying is the difficult part. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead dies no more. Now get this. He don't die anymore. We've said the Catholic cross. We don't like the Catholic cross. Why don't we like it? Because we have Jesus still sitting there hanging on it. And we're saying to the Catholics, hey, get Jesus off the cross. He's resurrected. He's alive. But guess what we did, great Protestant people? We got him off and we crawled up there on the cross. It's like we're living our lives hanging up there on the cross. Oh, gosh. This narrow, crummy Christianity. Oh, we got to suffer. Oh, we got to bear our cross. Oh, we got to do all these things. Oh, the Christian life is so miserable. And that's not what he said. The cross is for our carnal man. It's not for our resurrected man. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? If you can get this revelation, you may understand, but if you get a revelation, that the cross is not for your natural man. It is for your, for your carnal old man 
And we are no longer that. We are resurrected beings. We have the resurrected Christ in us. We're resurrected with Christ. And God has opened up the kingdom of God, which is a big deal. It's the biggest place there is. It's a big wide open space. Read Romans 5, 1 and 2 in the Message Bible. They call it the wide open spaces of God's grace. Is that hot in here? Can we have some air? I'm hot. Do y'all see what I'm saying? But the way the church is preached, the church is beat the living daylights out of the people of God. We're just a way down miserable bunch carrying some cross, hanging on some cross that He's taken us off of. He's been resurrected, therefore we've been resurrected. He's living a heavenly life, therefore we can live the heavenly life. All right, we need to get that revelation. We need to realize, well, the cross is wonderful. It was for our carnal man. I, as a resurrected person, I don't need that no more. I rejoice in it. I'm blessed by it. That was the door that got me in. But I walk through those doors over there, front doors. Once I'm in, I don't need those doors. I'm done with them. They've done their job. I'm in here. I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're there for other people. But I don't need them. I'm here. I'm in here. I'm in the kingdom. And the kingdom's in me. And the kingdom's big. But see, we don't see what I'm trying to tell you is God wants us to get us a greater revelation of the cross and a greater revelation of Christianity the way He said it was. And He's going to work on the heart and minds of the church. He's opening up our minds to see that. So we we don't have to live under this religious thing that we've lived under. Are y'all good with me right so far? So I wanted to apply this uh, Romans one twenty one. I want to apply this to a very specific area of the resurrected mind or the renewed mind. And the reason I did because the Lord just started speaking to me about my resurrected mind and telling me, look, this is how this thing works. If you can get this, you can really you can live a, a bigger life. You can live a greater life. And uh, it's this. Now, I'm using Amplified Bible here. And I've talked to you about this verse before. So you should know something about this verse. It's because when they knew and recognized Him as God, he's talking about people, okay, they did not honor and glorify Him as God. So I've told you this before. Let me tell you one more time. It is really important that we honor God and glorify God and give God thanks. We need to live a thankful lifestyle because these people... They had God. And they didn't do those two simple things. And, because, and when they didn't, it messed them up. And it'll mess you up. It'll mess your life up when you become unthankful. Okay? It says, but instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking. In other words, when we forsake thankfulness and we forsake honoring the Lord, giving the glory and honor due His name, what happens, let me just say it like this. If you have the renewed mind of Christ and you have God in your mind, it is bad news. It's futile when He leaves your mind. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you want to keep the renewed mind of Christ active in you, the two keys are, number one, be thankful, and number two, honor God. And the way you can practically honor God is you honor people. 
Because ultimately, it says that if we love God, we have to show that love by loving people. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? And so we can say to apply that same principle to honor. If I'm dishonoring a person, I might as well be dishonoring God. So we don't want to do that because that's dangerous. That starts shutting down our minds and shutting down our ability to receive the mind of Christ. Okay? They became godless in their thinking, all right, with vain imagining. Everybody say vain imagining. Vain. Everybody has an imagination, right? right? You got one, I got one. We were born with it. And I'm going to show you in a minute that that's just foolish reasoning and stupid. That's what the, they call it. I love it. Stupid. You know, see, I said that and people rebuked me for saying stupid. But the people who wrote the Amplified Bible said, stupid speculations. <laughs> Speculating on stuff, just some things you're stupid to do. And their senseless minds were darkened. So you see what happens. We go down this road. Well, what God wants to do is what I want to... There's a lot you can talk about this, okay? About the mind. But one thing the Lord has done is by getting your mind fixed, getting your mind healed. His memory, your mind's complex is full of memories, it's full of thoughts, okay, that were planted in there. The Bible calls them strongholds. Okay, we have these strongholds operating in us. So what the Lord will do for you is He will attack those strongholds. And strongholds are nothing more than ways of thinking, patterns of thinking, lies that you believe, just all, you know, the way you think about things. And He'll go after those strongholds and He'll undermine them. That's what I see Him doing a lot on people. I see these walls that get undermined and the wall just collapse because He takes away their foundation and they start crumbling. And that's what God does. He be, that's a way He begins to fix our minds and heal our minds. It's like, and then He gets that rubble out there so He can start releasing in its place His thoughts. Okay? And God has this thought, the way He thinks about things, that He wants the church to be able to have. Are y'all following this? Because this is important, because this ultimately is what changes your life, because the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ultimately, if you want to see a lifestyle change, something has to change here. Ultimately, if your mind gets renewed, your feet are going to change. Your feet are going to go somewhere. Your feet are going to, you're going to do different. So if you want to change, it starts here. This is the beginning of it. Up in here, the way you think. And God wants to go after Christians in that. He wants to open our mind to understand the Scriptures, first of all. I mean, that, that, that's good news, especially if you love, love that. And if you don't love it, you'll start loving it. When all of a sudden you read the Bible, it's like, my gosh, nobody ever told me that was in the Bible. I would just love for somebody to call me and say, Byron, why didn't you tell me this was in the Bible? Because you saw it. That would be the best news any pastor could get, is how people, why was I never taught this? Well, obviously, we didn't know, but the Lord's shown it to you. He's opened your mind. And that's one of the ways, and it says it actually washes your mind. God washes our mind. That's his, what His Word does. But... Um, I know that, that one of the things that God spoke to me about is that he, what He wants for our church. He wants, there's two things He wants for our church. Number one, He wants evangelism and creativity. Okay? That's really what He wants, is to release creative thoughts, and He wants us to be more evangelistic. Now, that's what I told somebody. Listen, I'm not interested, in, and this could be, you could go too far with this line of thinking. I'm not interested in having a good church service, honestly. That's not number one on my priority that the worship team does good or the preacher does good. My number one priority is, Lord, were you, were you here? Were you manifested? And if it's, if it's not great, all the other stuff, that's okay. Because you can have all the other stuff perfect, 
and him not be showing up. And that's the terrible day, in my opinion. You see what I'm saying? So God wants to release an ability in the church to be creative in all that we do. Okay? And he wants us to reach people. He wants to multiply the bread. That's his heart. And he wants to give us creative ways to do that. But we need to become creative in our own thinking. Okay? With our own lives. So we can release that same creativity. So what your imagination does... Are y'all with me on this? If what your imagination does, your imagination is the way God... Re, it's where God releases creativity into your life. It's through your imagination. Now, some people said they believe imaginations are, is inherently evil. That there's no good that can come out of the imagination. That's what some people think. Well, I will say there is a vain imagination. That's the carnal imagination. There is no good. But I'm, not, I'm talking about we're resurrected people... We have a resurrected mind to Christ. Therefore, we have a resurrected imagination. We have a renewed imagination. Are you with me? So here's what... I'm just going to tell you my look at how the Lord revealed this to me. Because I'm a very person with a very... a huge imagination. Okay? I have a, my imagination like a machine that runs all the time. Okay? But what ha- has happened to me in my life is my imagination got messed up. Okay? So not only do I have a great imagination, I have a very, in the past, a lot of fantasy in my life. Okay? That's vain imagination, fantasy. That's how the devil gets a foothold in people's minds is through fantasizing about stuff, about anything. I don't care what it is. It don't have to be just some sinful thing. It can be anything that's, that's just not reality in Christ. But this is what happened to me. I want to just tell, tell you this experience to help you get there is I was having this hard time in the mornings being, you know, I like to be with the Lord. I have a great time with the Lord most of the time. And most of the time it's prayer and the Word. The Word, you know, just read, praying and reading. I mean, I have a great, wonderful time to do, you know, do that. And I, I have time to do that, so I get to spend a lot of time. I try to spend a lot of time with the Lord in the mornings. But I started having this difficulty uh, in, with that because my mind was running like a machine and I was thinking about these things and, and I was getting all these solutions to things, situations. People, you know, people coming to me with their problems or problems I knew that I had with, like with the church and stuff and I was starting to get this and I just was feeling so guilty. I said, Lord, I am so sorry I'm letting you down because I'm not really talking to you and I, I start praying and I start thinking about this stuff and... I am, I am so disappointing to you, Lord. That's what I was telling. I'm so disappointed. I'm disappointing you. I'm letting you down. I'm not praying for people like I should be, and I'm not, you know, praying for my family and praying for the church like I should be. I'm thinking about these problems, Lord. I said, but you know, something's not good with this because I'm not getting answers to these problems. You know, that was what was confusing me. And the Lord spoke to me. He told me, "That's me." Byron, that's me. I'm talking to you. I want you to get this. That's me. And the first thing he brought to my mind was, he said, I heard this word, Tom Sawyer. Y'all know who Tom Sawyer is? Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. When I was a kid, those books, I was absolutely fascinated with those books because of the imaginary part. I actually wrote about eight more Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn books in my mind, literally 
I would read them and I would live it and relive it and just add to it and add to it. I just thought one time, that guy, I could write some books. I could actually write adventuresome books for young men, young girls. I could write, the, I knew I could, but I didn't because I can't even speak good, much less write a sentence that has proper grammar in it. <laughs> you know? So I sort of discounted that as a, because I could not sit through an English class and get anything they were saying. I was like, I'm going to just figure out how the quickest way to get through this. I'm going to memorize where they said put commas, get through the test, and move on. I don't care about this. You know, where I could go in a math class, I didn't even have to listen. I could get it. You know, I didn't have to do anything. I was lazy. So if it didn't come automatically, I didn't do it. So he said, Tom, I'm back to Tom, so Tom Sawyer. And then he said, Byron, in my previous life, I was an engineer, previous career. I was an engineer, and I was real successful at being an engineer. I could never figure out why I was. I just thought, well, the Lord just blessed me and made people like me in spite of me. But this is what he said to me. He said, remember when you was an engineer? I said, yeah. He said, this is the reason you were successful. Because of your imagination. That's why you were successful. And I realized this is what it was. All right, listen to what I'm telling you, if you're not listening. When I was an engineer, my company found out that I could go to a client, to our clients who wanted to do work. And they could, like, do a $20 million project. They would sit down, and I could listen to what they would say, and I could envision it in my mind. I could work it all out in my mind, and I could say back to them what they just said to me. And they'd say, yeah, exactly, that's what we want. And they liked me because of that. And then I could sketch it out on a piece of paper and write a few words down, and somebody could figure out how much it cost. So I was the hero, literally, because I could get our company work. I got us millions and millions of dollars worth of work. And it was because that the Lord gave me this a way to imagine things. To imagine, they were telling me what they wanted. I was imagining, what is that going to look like? And what will it take to get it? And I could do that. It was, a, it was the gift of God of imagination. That's what he gave me. He gave me a gift of imagination. I knew how to use my imagination. Okay? And everybody has that gift. We've all been given one. But what happened to me is this. Uh... I was very afflicted by a spirit of lawlessness in my life, okay? And I let bad imaginations get in my mind, what I call fantasies, okay? That was the spirit of lawlessness. Then there was this other spirit called the spirit of religion that I was very afflicted with that put thoughts into my mind. Are you seeing what I'm saying to you? You see, those are two spirits that are feeding a constant stream of information to us. Thoughts, they're out there. In fact, if we could see into the spirit world and see this information flowing in this room this morning, there's a religious information that's flowing in here right now. There's another spirit of lawlessness that's flowing in here. And then there's this other realm of information called the Holy Spirit realm. He has a whole stream of information. Okay? So I basically shut my imagination down. It's what it did. It really shut it down. It really quenched it and confined it into a, a little imagination. Okay? And what the Lord was trying to say to me is, all that stuff you were thinking about, that was me talking through your imagination on how to do these things you need to do. How to live your life the way I called you to live it. But the spirit of religion was telling me, no, you're supposed to be praying and being spiritual. You're not supposed to be thinking about problems. You need to be praying to me and, and reading the Word and not getting stuff from God. Not getting answers to real life problems. God's answers. God's solutions. 
Are y'all hearing this? It's like I have sat here before, literally, and God will start speaking. Like, no, Lord, I'm supposed to be worshiping you now. I need to be standing up singing. Now think about the insanity of that thought. You're in here, well, we're supposed to be worshiping God now. Oh, sorry, God, you can't talk right now because we're supposed to be worshiping you. Isn't that crazy thinking? That's the religious spirit. Working on your mind, telling you, oh, no, you need to stand up. Don't be sitting here getting these scriptures and stuff. You know? You need to stand up and worship God, son. <laughs> That's the spirit of religion. Because God was releasing thoughts to me. And everyone else in this room with the, this resurrected mind, this renewed mind, you can, that's how you receive the thoughts of Christ. That those thoughts can come into your mind and you can begin to think those thoughts and think about circumstances in your life. And see, we've put that creativity thing on the musicians. Well, they're the ones who write songs. I told this story earlier. This worship leader guy had this heavenly experience and he heard this song that he had wrote being sung in heaven. And he said, oh, y'all singing my song. They said, no, you're singing our song. You've got it backwards. We gave you that song. It came from heaven. Oh, sorry. Those, those things are like that. God has stuff from heaven that he wants to give us. And it don't have to be with musicians. Think about your children. People need creative thoughts about their kids. Right? How to raise your kids. What to say to them. Those are available in the realm of the Spirit. How you can imagine what you can do for them. Oh, I thought that was just my vain imagination. No, that's God's imagination because you're resurrected and you have the resurrected mind of Christ flowing through you and you can look at your child and begin to imagine where you want them to go and what you see over them. And it's not just your vain imagination. It's Him. But we don't... See, the church has been taught opposite. And I wanted to read what... Are y'all okay? I wanted to read what uh, Albert Einstein said about imagination, which I thought was the coolest thing. He said, uh, Imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand. Going back to the Scriptures, that's all we now know and understand about the Scripture. Knowledge is limited while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. That's how God's mind works. God is, God is the creator. Think about this. Jesus was the most imaginative person to ever walk on this earth. I mean, who could ever come up with, oh, I've got to figure out how a way of talking to these people about the Word. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tell them about natural seed and farm life. Oh, and I'll tell the, to, the stories of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I can tell them it's like a dragon, you know, fish and people pulling in. That's an imagination. He was imaginative. Read his parables. They're full of Read Song of Solomon. It's full of imaginary things. Uh, I think it's in Jeremiah. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The hills will shout. Have you ever heard a hill shout? But there's this, in this person's mind, they imagine this happen, and that's the expression that came out in the Bible. The Bible is really the most imaginative book there is. And we, yeah, and we have closed it down. Now here's the thing. Here's what is going on in a lot of people's mind. See, a lot of you have an imagination, okay, but something has gotten in there like I was sharing early, soap operas on television in the daytime. Those are imaginary things, but they're bad. They're fantasies. They're not good. 
in my opinion. I did not. If you're watching soap operas, you need to you need to stop. <laughs> it's not good for you because what those things do is they shut down this renewed mind, this renewed imagination. Those those do. I really believe those daytime soap operas. Now there are soap operas at night too. There was a thing called Lost. I don't know if it's still on television. It's it's just a so, it's a soap opera. That's all it is. It's a soap opera. It's not real, but I, I, I've watched it a couple of times. It's sort of like the Tom Sawyer thing. It's an imaginary thing. In fact, I think I could write some, some lost stuff. You know, I think I could create some more stuff along those lines. Of, but, so I'm not saying every uh, imaginary kind of thing is bad. Tom Sawyer's not bad. I, this, is what, this is the truth about Tom Sawyer. When I graduated from college, I was really burnt out in my mind. And I thought, I need something... I'm going to read Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I was 22 years old reading those books because it helped me in my mind. When people would ask me what I was reading, I'd slide it under my desk. Nothing? (laughs) What are they going to think? You're an engineer and you're reading Tom Sawyer. There's something wrong with this guy. Get him out of here. You know? But at the time, it was good for me. And at the same time, the Lord was speaking to me because I worked for a guy, and I'm going to tell you about this man. This man was my boss, and... I was smarter than him. That's how bad he was. <laughs> he didn't know nothing. This is a due power. But let me tell you what this man did. If you, down there at McGuire Nuclear Station, you know those two big cylinders, that, those concrete things that you see, that's what everybody thinks, that's the nuclear station. Well, those are what they call reactor buildings. Inside those reactor buildings is the reactor core. Where they're, but there's literally miles and miles of cable inside those buildings. Copper cable. And there's miles and miles of conduit. There's miles and miles of this thing called cable tray, which is basically where you run cable. But this guy was looking at this thing. This is a joke. All this cable. There's got to be an easier way to do it, to how you route this cable around, because there's miles of it. I mean, if you ever wanted to steal copper from somewhere, if you was brave enough to get inside that room, you could get all the copper you'd ever need in there, because it's everywhere down there. This guy, this literally, this guy sat down and figured out how to route that cable around to save on one reactor, $40 million. $40 million. And they have six reactors. That's $240 million. Okay? This guy, who was just this redneck engineer, who didn't care about nobody, he had hemorrhoids. He'd walk around with a cushion that had a... I'm serious. That's how stupid he was. He'd walk down the hall with this cushion that had a like a lifesaver to sit on. I mean, he just was stupid. I thought, man, at least hide that thing. (laughs) And Duke sold that, the design, the copyright design for $150 million. They sold it. And so it saved them somewhere close to $500 million. And at the time, I thought, that guy didn't figure that out by himself. God gave him that. God gave him that. Literally. God wants, and that's the, see, he was a, yeah. You know what they call engineers that work for, for Walt Disney Company? Imagineers. Ima- I thought one time, we, we were trying to get some work with them. They told me, those guys are imagineers. I thought, I need to go to work for them people. I would fit in that world because they're, they're imagineers. They're not just engineers. They're imagineers. With this renewed mind, if we really are walking in the renewed mind of Christ, we can have his thoughts like that. And we can go into our homes, we can go into business, we can, whatever applies to you. 
wherever there's a need in your life, you can get solutions from heaven. Thinking and imagining His way. You need, we need to be able to be creative in how we present the gospel to people. God can release that to us. Those, those thoughts just by having imagination. I told you about my thought. I know God's going to make me do this one day. Remember I told you that a few weeks ago. I love this. I keep thinking about it. I'm in this real traditional church and this woman gets up and starts singing Spirit of the Living God fall fresh on me. Okay? Spirit of the Living... That's what it was in my imagination. And then though, what happened is the Holy Spirit fell in the building and it created pandemonium and they were so offended about it and I got up and said, but you ask Him to fall! That's my, I was just say, Lord, one day you're going to do that. I know you are. Just help me not to be messed up at that moment so I can tell him. But you ask him to, and he did what you ask. This old woman in the choir thing. <laughs> but let me tell you something. God wants to help you with the fantasy life. Okay? I guarantee there's many here who have sexual fantasies. Okay, and see what God has done for me. And there's women in here who have romance. You romance about some guy other than your husband, thinking, "Well, if I had that guy, he'd be great." That's just crazy. Some of you have fantasies about things that just that they're not reality. Okay, they're just not reality, and they're not going to be reality. You're, that's fantasy. That's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. So the Lord began to speak to me when He began to deal with my mind. And show me when the enemy wants to come and bring fantasy to me, bring vain imagination to me. Okay? Because what he showed me was this. He showed me a, a stove, a wood stove. Are y'all good? And this wood stove, you know how you turn a damper down on a wood stove? And what it does is it burns real slow, but it ashes over. And he said, that's what happens in your mind when you allow those thoughts to come in. It quenches the fire that's in you, the Holy Spirit firing you, and it just, you know, the ash just covers it and covers it and covers it. That's really how I started my fire in my yard. I had some ashes. I looked at them. I felt of them. There's nothing in there. I threw them out in the woods. But there was a couple little embers hid down in there that started the, the fire. Every Christian has an ember down in there in them. Every one of you. There's an ember hidden down there in all these ashes. But because of the fantasy life you have, that ember seems cold and seems hidden. But when you open that damper up, it flares up in you. The fire of God, the passion of God. When you, open, when you close your mind to those fantasies, whatever they are, what's going to happen inside of you, you're going to get on fire for God inside of you. Because then He's going to start releasing more of His thoughts. Those thoughts keep His thoughts from Because they, they, those thoughts won't stay in the same place together. They don't do that. He ain't going to put his thoughts in there with them other thoughts. So whatever your fantasy is this morning, whatever your vain imagination, if you, what you need to do is you need to find out. The Lord will show you specific times when the enemy will come to you with that. He showed me this. When I wake up in the morning, that's when the Lord says, all right, Byron, you need to get with the program because the enemy's coming and I'm coming. Okay? With thoughts. Okay, first thing in the morning. I, he's showing me that, you know, and if I let those th other thoughts from the enemy come into my mind, then I'm closing off my renewed imagination. I'm getting this carnal imagination. Are y'all hearing me? 
So what I'm saying to you is what we've got to do is learn how to shut the door to vain imaginations. So and when we do that, the, the, the imaginations of God will get released in your life. If you've got fantasies this morning, I'm not going to ask anybody to come up with their fantasies. You know. What I want us to do is this. Is we're going to have the ministry team to come out here. But first I want everybody to stand up. Okay? And I want to pray for you. Okay, that way just the people who are having trouble with vain, vain imagination aren't standing up and everybody's looking at them. So, you know, thinking, wow, I'm going to know what they're thinking about. You don't want to know. It's bad. But this is, how, this is part of the process of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This, this renewing that God wants to do for you. So I'm going to pray just a simple prayer and pray that God will release, begin to release His imaginations. Father, I just ask you right now, Lord, you've created us, uh, Father. You've created us to live in the resurrection of Christ. You've created us to live big, Lord, to live big, not to live small, confined lives, but big lives. And you've created us with the ability to, to take your thoughts, receive your thoughts, and receive your very mind. So, Lord, I, I just pray for every person in this room's mind. I pray against vain imagination. Lord, I pray against fantasy. Any kind of fantasy, Lord. Sexual fantasy, just fantasies that's not real, just, fan, you know, fantasizing stuff that's just, just bad, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would teach, teach all of us, Lord, how to shut the door on vain imagination, Lord, and begin to receive your imagination, Lord the redeemed imagination, the renewed imagination. Lord, we ask you to just begin to download it on us. Lord, just like with Dean, you downloaded the ability to, to learn something in an instant. We're asking you for that same miracle today in our imaginations. Release the renewed imagination of Christ to us now in a greater way. And Father, we ask you for wisdom to know when the enemy comes with false imagination. Lord, we just ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. We just release you on your people to do that. I even just feel like, I want to give a testimony real quick, but I even feel like there may even be people that, that vain imaginations of even coveting what you see of other people that they have. And the Lord's saying, really close that door and be thankful for what I've given you because I am going to open doors to things you can't see, you can't imagine, you can't even see in front of you. That There is so much more for you if you will just shut that door of even coveting things and, and comparing yourself with others and just really allow me to release a thankfulness and release what I have for you. Yesterday... We had felt like we, the Lord wanted us to bless our oldest son and put him in his room by himself. But um, in, I am so dumb when it comes to that, just changing a room around or, or doing things with what I have. I had all these ideas of I need a new comforter, I need all this to really bless him. But I didn't have the money. And so I just said, Lord, you know, I just need some creativity. And I just went for weeks trying to ask everybody else what they would do, you know, and it just didn't come. And finally, yesterday, we just started, and it was like, boom. I didn't realize until I got to the end of the day that I had moved three rooms around, set them up, decorated with what we had. We, things would come out from under, you know, junk. 
and it would be perfect for this wall and perfect for that. And that may not mean a whole lot to you, but it meant huge to me because it was this creativity that had downloaded that enabled me to do what I had for that moment that made me want to dance all over the house. I mean, it was just this joy that was just bubbling up inside of me because I saw that the Lord, with what we had, did a miracle in my house. And then Noah came yesterday and he was able to, and he went in his room and last night was just hanging out in his room because he was so blessed. And we didn't buy one thing for that room. You know, it was just the Lord blessed me and Matthew with this download. And then it was like it just, it just kind of, it was almost like it felt like the furniture was moving itself. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, this goes this way, this goes this way, this goes here. And it was just that download. And the Lord really wants to release that. But I really believe through thankfulness, you know, and really just seeking the Lord and allowing Him, like Byron said, to shut those things. And so I want, we also want to say, just in addition if, um, to what Byron prays, if you would just like the Lord to just release His information. In other words, you know, I remember Byron describing it like this. There's like an information superhighway going through this room here. The invisible, obviously. There's like an information superhighway. And the Lord really wants us to log on to that because He has things not for selfish gain, but again, but because He has a purpose in the earth. And He's called us to co-labor with Him. So um, if you'd like to just tap in, if you'd like to just log on, let's just receive it right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord just for a second here. Father, we love You. Lord, we want to co-labor with You, Lord, for Your purposes, Lord. So God, I ask You right now to release from heaven every creative idea, whether it's for our home, for our jobs, for our children, for, for our communities, Lord, for our churches, for our ministry, whatever, God, we yield to You. And we choose to quiet our own thoughts, Lord, as we've already laid aside our vain imaginations, fantasy, Lord, that we've laid that aside, God. We ask you to release fresh imagination, fresh imagination, fresh imagination, fresh ideas, new ideas, new thoughts, new inventions, new ways, new ways of doing things, Lord. Just let it come. We just pull it down from heavenly places this morning, God. We receive it. Just receive it by faith. That's all you got to do. Just receive it right now in your spirit. Just say, I receive it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I receive it, Lord. Quiet my heart, quiet my mind. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I just encourage you daily practice these things. Practice quieting your spirit before the Lord. Let Him just that's what soaking is all about. Soak in His presence. You can get that information that you need. Talking practical here, you know. Um, so, amen. And we also want to pray. If you, Let me just say, if you're here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, He wants you to have it today. Come and surrender your life 
the way of the cross. Come here now and give your life to Jesus. It's the best thing that you could ever do. So I want to invite you to come forward. If that's you, if you need additional healing in your body, I felt like even before we came here today, the Lord said a left knee. If there's anybody here with a left knee problem, pain in your left knee, I want to pray for you. Um, so if you need that, if you need anything broken off of you, we're here. We need our ministry team to come up. And uh, we're just going to pray for you. And then also, Andrew Stein, he's coming up right here. He looks kind of like Jesus. Um, he's getting ready to go to Argentina to get married. Isn't that awesome? He's getting married, but because of immigration rules, they can't get back in the country for a year. So he's going to be in Argentina for a year living with his new bride. They're getting married next month. So uh, we want a group of people to just gather around him. Pray, pray on him, pray for him, you know, all that good stuff. So, is that clear? All right. If, if you need to go, you can be dismissed. Remember, ushers will meet in the back down the hallway in just a few minutes. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say. What you pray, I pray. What you pray, I pray. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say, God. And what you pray, I pray. What you pray, I pray. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say.